how how is Cody related to you? Um, so I met, so I was introduced to Cody through a friend of mine, and I mentioned that we were on a um, surrogacy journey, and then he mentioned that he knew a fellow who went to Canada to do it, and that he put us in contact. And yeah. that's <laughs> so uh, we've had a conversation with Cody before, um, and we thought uh, Cody's story, while very unique, is a very interesting one of um, like perseverance. There's a lot of ups and downs. Um, so we asked if he'd be happy um, to give us his whole story because it's quite quite a big story. Um, so hopefully um, those of you who are listening, who are looking at your journeys, wondering um, how you'll get through it all, this might inspire you to see how perseverance can really be rewarding in the end. Yes. While he has moved to Canada, he is still definitely an Australian. So a little bit of a uh, language warning. (laughs) And the episode starts now. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Dixon. And And we we are two intended dads and a yarn. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? Hey. Hey, good, Cody. How are you? Good. Really well, thank you. Yourselves? What's uh, what's going on in uh, good old Australia on Sunday? It's cold and it's winter and it's <laughs> raining. Well, let's just say they've got uh, heat warnings here in Canada because we've been over 28 degrees. So. Oh, what? No. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> All right. Well, um, start with the introduction. So, yeah. So, do you want to introduce yourself, Cody? My name's Cody. So I'm uh, 43 years old now. I actually turned uh, 43 a couple of days ago. So uh, yeah, getting old, yeah, getting old. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I actually now live in uh, Calgary, Alberta, originally from uh, Townsville with my uh, last uh, city in uh, in Australia being Sydney. Oh, great. How long did your surrogacy process take in total? So... Oh, sorry, sorry. Do you want to introduce your... Um... So you've got one child. You've got one child through surrogacy. That's right. Yes, yeah, so I've got uh, one child through uh, surrogacy. Well, I started the journey as a single gay guy approximately five years ago. Definitely uh, had thoughts of uh, becoming a dad way before that, uh, but it was actually in Iceland on New Year's that I decided uh, to become a dad. So I really started to put a lot of. Uh, uh, things into into motion and uh, started to, to look at uh, different options, be it uh, in Australia, so doing it domestically um, or overseas. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, quite a quite a long journey. So about three years uh, from mm-hmm. when I started to when I became actually mm-hmm. a dad. And um, what type of experiences did you have in making decisions between domestic and international surrogacy? Uh, well, as, as we all know, that uh, Australia is quite complicated and difficult uh, to uh, to yeah. have become a, pa- a parent uh, via surrogacy, as uh, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are experiencing that at the moment, and it's also difficult. Um, not saying it's not possible, but it, it is definitely a lot more difficult than yeah. uh, overseas, uh, which is uh, quite disappointing. To to be honest, of course, you would want to do this type of journey uh, with your family and friends uh, close by. I then uh, definitely thought, well, that's not going to work for me. Uh, For myself, I picked the US just based on it being black and white. Mm -hmm. It's all basically 
contractual. Sure, it's going to be more expensive, but it is covered legally by contracts that are implemented by lawyers. So that's what appealed to me. And uh, the US had a very good success rate uh, when it came to IVF as well. Uh, I ended up going with uh, San Diego Fertility Clinic just based on uh, a lot of... uh, to be, to be honest, guys, the relationship mm. uh, with, uh, they are very open mm. and very honest from the start. Because mm. uh, some other agencies that I looked into were, yeah, we got this, we've got a really good success rate, but didn't really talk about what happens if it doesn't work. What is the, what is the step? So yeah. yeah, that's the reason why I went uh, with uh, Dr. Denishan and his uh, amazing mm. clinic there in San Diego. Um, so obviously COVID <laughs> happened during your um, process. Um, so how has that sort of then, obviously you've ended up staying in Canada. Um, was it the deciding factor or was it, (laughs) how did that all happen? Yeah, COVID definitely threw a spinner in the work. So the original plan for myself being a single gay father to be, uh, was my uh, mum and my dad and my stepmom were planning to come over. We're looking at uh, being here at late uh, late June, get everything in place. So usually you would need to get a passport of where the, the, the baby's born, so be it, in my case, Canada. Uh, and then once you've got that uh, passport, jump on a plane and come home to Australia. So my uh, original plan was to be in Canada anywhere between uh, two to three months. That was my original plan, but... Uh, when I got a phone call from my uh, lawyer here in Calgary um, at the uh, end of Ma- uh, end of March, and yeah. at four o'clock it was, oh, hi, how you doing, Alan? Yeah, good. Uh, get on a plane now. Was her words to me at uh, four o'clock in the morning, and that's not something you expect to hear from your lawyer. Let me tell you, what do I do? Um, right, uh, okay, I'll have to book a ticket. So I jumped online and booked uh, an Air Canada flight to to uh to vancouver from sydney and uh, there was a uh, yeah a couple of grand to say yeah. the least for yeah. a one-way uh ticket back to, to canada and well okay this uh new ticket wasn't something i planned for but sure okay a couple of grand okay it's going to get me there fantastic but then you go what do i pack i'm going by myself i'm going to canada in march it's summer here in australia it's winter in canada i don't know how long i'm going to be there for so i've got to pack winter and summer clothes mm. just not for myself then it's like oh hang on i gotta pack for a baby as well okay great good good what clothes have i got prepared not much yeah because i wasn't planning to go to at least june july so it's like okay pack what i've got and then uh i had a good mate of mine staying with me from uh, indianapolis i walked out to him um and said oh guess what i'm going to vancouver in five hours and uh, also my apartment that you see here I'm going to need you to pack it up for me and put everything into storage. And yeah. uh, wow. let me just tell you, he didn't say anything to me. He just walked out onto my balcony and just lit up a cigarette and just started the puff away. So uh, yeah. I think he was dealing with the stress better than me, to be honest. And uh, I walked out with the North Face duffel bag, um, my backpack and a stroller. Yeah, I was 10 minutes from the airport and Alan rings and goes, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm about 10 minutes away from the airport. She goes... Yeah, well, unfortunately, they've just changed the uh, the uh, rulings to come into Canada. I now need to get you government approval to come into Canada. Mm. So it's like, okay, great. Um, I guess I'll turn around and head back home. So uh, sat out on the balcony and actually took a breather. Yeah. And through my mind, guys, it was, what do I do now? What happens? 
Mm. Um, now, I was quite fortunate. Uh, Qantas and my, and my bosses at uh, Qantas were fantastic. They were, they pretty much said, yep, we know what's happening. And they've been part of my journey since I started. Mm. They knew that I was going to be going away. They knew I was going to be taking paternity leave. They knew I was going to take annual leave. Um, and uh, they said, you know what? From now on, you're on leave, which was a, a, a just a great blessing. And I couldn't thank my bosses and, and Qantas as a whole. The people that I worked with and that reported to me were quite uh, quite supportive through my whole journey. So I didn't have to worry about that, which was just fantastic. Mm. Uh, which then it's like, okay. But the last flight to to Canada from Australia would direct with uh, Air Canada is nine days. And it's like, okay, right, we've got nine days. Once I put everything into storage, I was living on a blow-up mattress. Yeah, and just sitting there, just going, great, I'm on a blow-up, eating baked beans out of a can. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is great. This is fantastic. Yeah, a bit of a life transformation before <laughs> a life transformation. Yeah. It, it, it was, because it's like, do I do it for my food in the freezer? But it's like, okay, just been a distro. And it's like, and it, after that, it was like, well, I shouldn't have thrown it out. But, but at this point, you, you were... Um, you're like, you still had the mindset of I'm going over there for three months and I'm going to be coming back. Correct. Correct. Pretty yep, much. Yep. That, was, that was my plan was to go over there. So I didn't have to pack up my unit. I didn't have to do anything, but I didn't know how long it was going to be. I don't know mm. what was going to happen on the return. So I, I gave up my my apartment because you, you just didn't know. Yeah. I still yep. didn't know if I was going to be able to get to Canada, which uh, was quite difficult. Uh, the, the reason I say that, because if I wasn't able to actually make it to Canada for the birth of my child, uh, the child then goes into what they call the ward of the state. Mm. So it becomes a state child um, until I could have actually got to Canada. And I didn't want that. How high a water, that was not going to happen. Uh, because, for example, my mum was a ward of the state and I saw the impact of that. And it's like, that's definitely not happening to my child. Yes. So just to clarify, with the um with the surrogacy agreement in Canada, because with Australia yep. technically the um the surrogate is the legal parent until a parentage the, order until yeah. the parentage order comes through. But the the surrogacy agreement that you have yeah. So as soon as the, the child is born, the surrogate actually has no legal right over that child. Mm. Um, so as soon as the child is born, you start then taking bills that's relating yep. to that child medically and everything like that. So yeah, yeah. my job at Qantas, I was in charge of the uh, Global Operations Centre. So I fully understood how airlines work. I knew everything was coming to a complete standstill. So I didn't want to take the opportunity of going... I, you know what, I'm just going to wait for that Air Canada flight because things were just yeah. changing hour by hour, day by day. So if I could get on a plane and get to Canada, once I got that piece of paper, I was going. Yep. So I had three lawyers here in Canada all working to get me to Canada. Um, now, while I was waiting for that, the Australian government, as you're aware, came out with a ruling that no Australians were to leave the country. Mm. Um, so that, which means then... I had to get clearance to get into Canada, but then I needed clearance to actually get out of Australia. So uh, let's just say there was a, a bit of language uh, when I saw old ScoMo uh, announce, yeah. announce that on the television, uh, yeah. yeah, to say the least, and which I was really surprised. They actually had the website for uh, the Australian Border Force up and running when they said it was. It was like, wow, this is, this is not Australia, but, you know, it worked. And 
took all my information and it submitted and I got a confirmation saying your your request has been submitted that was it mm-hmm. it's like is there any way that you could actually fast track this and they said the only way that you can potentially fast track this is, is get your member of parliament to uh to basically fast track it through their means mm. so it, it 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 really got to me and to be honest I had a little bit of a meltdown I <laughs> yeah. pretty much cried um and it's like well you know what, I, I need to get out of my head. I need just to let the process happen. So I basically went for a run and I never go for a run, let me tell you, but uh, went for a run in the rain and it was great because I was able just to to get a lot of stress out. And I was actually crying on my whole run because I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get to Canada mm. and to not be there for your birth of your child when you, that you've just played it over in your head so many times, it, it was difficult. It was difficult. So um, I reached out to my lawyer in Brisbane, my Australian lawyer, uh, Stephen Page and fantastic. And I said, uh, Stephen, this is my situation he goes, yep, fully aware of it. Uh, we've got some Australians in, in the US trying to get back to Australia and uh, their local member is the same as yours. And I said, oh, well, ScoMo. And he's gone, yeah, mm. ScoMo being the Prime Minister of Australia, trying to get uh, uh, you know him to sign off something so I could actually leave the country. And he goes, look, he's, uh, ScoMo's office is fully across it. We'll get your letter in as well. And we no guarantees. We'll see how we go. So that was uh, Thursday morning. So Thursday afternoon, nothing. Friday, nothing. Saturday, nothing. And Sunday, I pretty much had to leave my 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 unit and uh, gave back the keys and took myself off to an airport hotel, still not having any clearance. So sitting there, and uh, I it was about five thirty-five on Sunday afternoon. I got the Australian email saying that yes, you are cleared to leave Australia. Yeah. Oh, great. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. A huge weight um, off your shoulders. Huge weight, but I still didn't have my can- Canadian clearance. I think I had about four hours sleep uh, because then I had to contact uh, Canada and spoke to Canada and they said, look, we know it's with the Minister of Immigration. We don't know how long it's going to be. Hopefully we'll, we'll have something for you in the morning. So hmm. uh, now the Air Canada flight left at 10.30 out of Sydney and uh, woke up at, uh, I think, 5.30 and still nothing from, from Canada. So it's like, okay, great. So what I'm going to need to do is uh, just wait. So went over and had coffee with the uh, the guys over at uh, the Qantas HQ and they dropped me off at the airport at 7.30. And at that stage, I got a phone call from uh, from Cindy and Alan in, in Canada saying, we've just got your clearance. You're good to go. But we still have to wait for your paperwork to come through. It's like, okay. Yeah, uh, you had to show all your documentation to get through even before getting into the airport. Uh, so yeah. you got through the air, uh, the entrance by security. Then you get uh, border force going, right, where are you going? Where's your paperwork? Where's your documentation? So I gave all my documentation to the guy and he goes, so what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going to Canada. What for? I said, oh, to become a dad. He goes, what, by yourself? I said, yep, by myself. He goes, when's it due? I said, July. And he goes, oh, good luck, mate. Honestly, good luck. And he basically walked off for 15 minutes, came back, goes, yet you're cleared from Australia. So I head down to the Air Canada checking counter. And let me, when I got down there, fully understanding how airlines operate and everything, it was like the low, last boat to China. Let yeah. me tell you, there was bags 
passengers everywhere and uh, I knew what counter to join. So I went up to the counter and gave them all my documentation, explained the situation. And when they swiped my passport, they said, oh, yeah, you still haven't got clearance yet. So I had my documentation, but I still hadn't had clearance that and made it through to the check-in system, which means they couldn't check me in. Mm. So at this stage, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 8.45, 9 o'clock, and pretty much everybody was getting their clearance and I was the last person in front of the whole check-in counter. And then they go, oh, we've got it. 9.25, I got my clearance uh, through the check-in mm. system. So uh, I pretty much had to run from, <laughs> from the check-in counter to the uh, through security, got to the gate and then got on board the aircraft and uh, it's like, yeah. I, I'm ready for a whole bottle of alcohol. I don't care what it is because I was just so worked up. Mm. And then they do a PA. Unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, we've changed our uh, bus and meal service. There will just be water and uh, pre-packaged food. There will be no alcohol. Yeah. I'm just going on. <laughs> but because I am on this plane. Um, yeah, so 16 hours to, to Canada and... Uh, I didn't know what was going to happen when I got there. So when I arrived, um, I was able to clear customs because I didn't know if I was going to need to go into quarantine in uh, Vancouver or not. Mm. I got to Calgary. I was sitting in the arrivals hall, uh, basically trying to find a place to live. Mm. Um, and I was able to find somewhere to live. But of course, it was six and a half thousand dollars uh, for the two weeks. And uh, yeah, what do you do? The next problem I had, I couldn't get food because I couldn't go shopping. I couldn't go to the grocery store. So, you know, being a gay and it's like, oh, well, let's see. Let's get on the old grinder and see if anybody can actually help me out. Yeah. And then one of them, Alex, came and said, yeah, mate, happy. Just put your credit card under the door and um, I'll go to the, the groceries for you. Send me what you need. And uh, yeah, really interesting. So I got groceries thanks to Grinder. So who would have thought? <laughs> Was uh, locked down in, in Calgary in a tower for uh, for two weeks. But that gave me the opportunity to, to start looking at, well, okay, I am going to be here in Canada for, for six to seven months minimum. Uh, and started to look at accommodation and started to reach out to a lot of places. And, and thankfully, due to COVID, I was able to find some some really good places that were pretty much half price or even mm. quarter of the price that they would normally charge. Yeah, so check, checked out of the uh, the quarantine Airbnb and checked myself into a studio apartment and uh, picked up the car the next day. And it's like, okay, right, it's time to start life here in Canada by myself. Um, I'm not going to have family here. I'm not going to have friends here. Mm. I'm here by myself and uh, sat under a bridge uh, with my takeaway uh, beer and sat under a bridge and like a real Australian, really, um, and pretty much knocked back a few alcohol beverages and just cried because it hit me again. It's like yeah. there is nobody here that's going to be able to come. My parents aren't going to be able to come. Friends aren't going to come. Mm. Having all that worked up and then just having a moment just to stop um, and be settled for the first time for quite a while, it, it hit me. Yeah. 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 Uh, we left off at all alone in Canada. We lo we, I, think we left, I think we left off at sitting well, under a bridge drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so sitting under a bridge drinking uh, 
you know, a few beers, no forex, thank goodness. But uh, it, it was uh, it was a realization that yeah, I was by myself. But in saying that, uh, during my time in quarantine, Alan, my lawyer here in, in Calgary, she uh, she reached out to me and said, since you're the first one here, we have about anywhere between twelve to twenty. Uh, parents uh, so partners I was the only single one of course losing no friends but uh, we have other uh, parents in the same situation of you from around the globe coming to coming to Canada are you able to to support these uh, other these guys coming into into Canada so uh, during my time in quarantine I was pretty much a, a travel agent giving uh, advice mm. going okay this is the situation this is what to expect when you arrive into Canada start looking at options for accommodation, start looking at this. Uh, it was uh, good to, to get uh, some advice to other parents in the, in the same situation. And uh, we then started a bit of a support group, uh, probably with about 14 parents um, and uh, giving advice. Uh, I was quite uh, thankful that I was able to do that because it definitely took my mind uh, off because if not, I would have probably been under a bridge if I could get out of quarantine a lot, uh, a lot quicker. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, things uh, started to, to to basically start to settle down, and I still couldn't see my surrogate. Uh, she lived approximately two hours from uh, from Calgary, and the reason I didn't want to see that because of how I just travelled across you know across the world, and uh, yeah, you didn't want to take any COVID through. You didn't want to yeah. put anything in any COVID or anything like that, so. We just kept it at uh, arm's length and I, I kept in contact with her and kept her updated what was going on and, and whatnot. But uh, then we came to the uh, further ultrasounds and they allowed me to, to, to visit. So I went down for an ultrasound, which was great. It was the first time that uh, I actually got to see that the child growing. Um, and it, it, it was, I was so lucky to actually see, see that mm. because that wasn't part of the original plan. So there was another blessing in disguise that I actually got to see a few more ultrasounds. But in the meantime, I uh, had unlimited kilometers on the vehicle and I just pretty much drove around Alberta. I uh, went to the Rockies a couple of times and Jasper and Banff and just took my mind off the, 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 the whole thing that was ahead of me. And uh, getting back to, to Australia, I reached out to the consulate uh, in Vancouver and also the High Commission in Toronto here in Canada and explain my situation. And I've got to say that was probably one of the smartest decisions I've ever made because they were fantastic. They, I explained the situation, you know, we still have months until the baby's born, but there was so many documents that I needed to have completed was mm -hmm. the child would need to be an Australian citizen before leaving Canada. Mm -hmm. So I had to get uh, basically Australian citizenship, which is something that you do on your return to Australia. Uh, so I had to fill out all the Australian citizenship forms. And once I had got that completed, I had to then fill out all the Australian passport forms, which means there's a lot more documentation that you need to fill out if it's via a surrogate. So my surrogate had to fill out a lot of documentation, which was, um, which was, uh, overwhelming to say the least for it mm. um, just because of well hey we have to do stuff here in Canada but we all now have to do stuff for Australia which um, she was fantastic she she understood um, but 
until the the child was born I couldn't submit anything so uh what I would do I would send all my forms into her and when she had a free minute she would actually go through and scan and go no you haven't filled out this form correctly fill out this form you need to fill out this form so pretty much I had all my documentation and I think there was like I think it was about 60, 60 forms that needed to be completed yeah. for citizenship and uh, passport. Um, and they're not single page forms either. Not are single page forms. There was lots of forms that needed to basically be filled out. And yeah. uh, I actually had that all completed by June. Now the baby was due around July. So the 9th of July. So I used the opportunity of downtime to actually get everything done, especially being by myself, being a single dad. I needed to be organized because once the baby comes, that's it. I'm here by myself. So what I learned, I was able to share and what other people uh, learned, they also shared, which Mm. helped. And it was very, uh, very beneficial at at that stage. So it's like, okay, I'm going to take myself off to Brooks, which is a a town of about 12,000 people. I checked myself into a a very, you would say, fancy hotel, maybe two and a half staff. (laughs) Um, yeah. and living, living pretty much off fast food, uh, keeping in contact with my surrogate and, uh, went over and helped her paint a few things in her house because she started to get that nesting feel. Yeah. Uh, so I helped, uh, you know, do a few things in her house. And, uh, I think it was, uh, around uh, that time, also around the start of July, I found out I had to reapply for my position. Un- unfortunately due to COVID, uh, they were laying yeah, off a lot of people restructuring. restructuring everything. And uh, out of six positions, they were losing one position. So we all had to reapply. So did the old, you know, tell us a time and all that. And uh, at the end of the uh, interview, it was like, okay, well, gave it my best. Let's, let's see what happens. Mm. And uh that was one thing tick. Okay. And then uh, it was around the six, um, they had major thunderstorms come through Brooks and we got a tornado warning. So here I am in, in a bathtub, uh, potentially tornadoes. And then I get a phone call from my, uh, my surrogate and she goes, I'm starting to have pain. I said, what? And she goes, yeah, I think I'm starting to go into labor. I said, where are you? She goes, I'm in my bathtub. I said, so am I. I said, of course, of course, when there's a tornado, why not? Yeah. Why not? so uh you know it's, it's like okay great okay wait 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 and she goes oh no i think it was just i'm not going into labor it's like okay whew, great excellent so um jackson which is my my child uh he was uh due on the ninth and uh, unfortunately he's getting a bit bit overcooked we have to start to induce on the 13th of july which was my birthday um i got a phone call from my boss in sydney saying that i was unsuccessful uh with regaining employment at Qantas and uh, i would be made redundant so it's okay great let me come back to you i've got so much other stuff going on yeah. at the moment let's have another discussion at another time so lost my job on my birthday so happy birthday cody thanks for yeah. And then uh, going into an inducement uh, on the 14th of July uh, at uh, Brooks Hospital. So pretty much checked myself into the hospital with, uh, with uh, my surrogate Tiffany and her support. Uh, Tiffany was being induced for four days and 
sitting back and watching your surrogate. And can I just say right now, women are the most amazing thing on this earth. Mm. Just watching somebody go through the pain and the suffering and for, for, for four days, it, it went on and it got to all of us. Um, you know, I wasn't the one in pain, you know, Tiffany was the one in pain, but seeing her doing this for you for no reason mm. other than to provide the gift of becoming a parent. And I still see her every day going through what she was going through. And at, after the four days of uh, in, inducement, the baby still wasn't coming. She was having contractions, but it just wasn't coming. It got to the point and it was like, no, nah, this little thing's not coming out. We have to go to an emergency C-section. It's like, okay, well, look, to be honest, that's that's the core for Tiffany. This is this is yeah. her core. This is my body. This is as long as the baby's not in any trouble or any pain. This is up to her. And, and her words was, "Get it out." So yeah, um, yeah. yeah I uh, was basically not present during the birth right next to Tiffany during the C-section. I was actually located over near the uh, the warming table after birth. The, the words of the doctor once uh, they saw the head of my baby was holy shit uh was the words and i've just gone oh, what's going on what's happening what's and uh then uh tiffany's support goes he's a tank so then yeah jackson was born on the 18th of uh of july at uh, i think it was around 2 p.m and uh he was 11 pounds so uh, mm. that's a big baby. So there was no way that he was coming out naturally. So, uh, we're all anticipating seven pounds. So all the ultrasound scans, even up to the final, the final ultrasound, they're saying about seven pounds. It's like, yeah, but no, nah, yeah. nah, he was, uh, he was a big boy. I'm just Google searching that in kilograms. Yeah, oh, yeah, and that's like yeah, five sorry. kilos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> about five. Yeah. So, that's a big baby. That's a big baby. So um so Tiffany was there with her support and uh, Jackson and I were bonded in a, while they did all the, uh, the tests and everything. So I got to hold Jackson for the first time and due to in the maternity ward, there wasn't that many people having babies. They were able to separate Tiffany and myself. So giving Tiffany the opportunity to actually have rest by herself, but also allowing me to pretty much have one-on-one with 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 mommy child mm. straight into it and then the little guy had uh i think it was about two bottles of uh of milk straight up and it's like okay even the nurses said babies normally only have one maybe half or maybe yeah. one but your kids just had two i think you're gonna have a big one on your hands i've just gone oh great so next minute i'm thinking is he gonna cry what's gonna happen and yeah what was what was the um what was becoming a parent like for you? Like, is it a complete mind change straight away? I, I Dixon, it was as soon as I saw him and held him, I I knew it was the right thing for me. I knew that mm. the three year journey to get where I was, it absolutely didn't matter. I was holding this this little boy in my in my hands and. It was like, oh my God, look at him. He's got my nose, you poor bastard. You've got my nose. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. nothing mattered. Nothing about mm. the past, nothing about the future mattered. I got this opportunity to be with my 
child, which is something that I've wanted for since I was in my twenties. Yeah. Mm. Oh, great. And all the nurses that were there for the inducement for the four or five days actually came in and, and, you know, got to meet Jackson and the doctors the next day. So it was such a nice thing to, in a small country ho uh, hospital that everybody was so, in, you know, into it, you know, urgency doesn't happen mm. often in a, you know, a small little town like Brooks and they were just so into it. And the next morning I was able then to take Jackson into Tiffany and she got to hold him and um, her son got to hold him and her, uh, her mum all, I got to hold the little guy and um, that's when I said my goodbye. It was, it was, uh, I had to drive mm. back to, to Calgary, which is about a two and a half hour drive. And I said, you know, we'll be back. But uh, you know, she, Tiffany was still exhausted after going through what she had gone through for the last five days, yeah. but it was weird just taking this child for the first time in a little carrier past Tiffany. She's had carried him for nine months. Now that was mm. she she had done her her part of the journey and uh i couldn't be thankful enough but now i have to focus on becoming a dad so putting this well little quite unquote uh guy in the back of the suv and started to drive uh, back to to calgary and about half an hour out of calgary got a tornado warning thunderstorms and everything and just gone okay great welcome to parenthood cody you and next minute, oh, great. His first poop. <laughs> and it's like, so, of, <laughs> yeah. course, of course, son, thank you. Welcome to welcome to Parenthood. And thank you, son. I love you heaps. And so I pulled off into a truck stop on the middle of the side of the road. Had to get out of the front, get into the back, changing this one-day-old baby during a storm with the car rocking and absolutely being moved around by a thunderstorm and then feeding in a like. Wow, if this is not parenthood, I don't know what is. So uh, mm. I was going to be by myself the whole thing. and uh, But then on day two, I was able to catch up with uh, a, a really good couple that I made good friends with from Amsterdam, uh, George and Dan. They had their little guy, Emilio, probably about eight weeks before Jackson. So they were like eight weeks ahead of me. So they were quite supportive. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was day about day three or four, we uh, thought, stuff it. It's summer. It's here in Calgary, so we ended up on a patio with all the other parents. <laughs> um, with a with me, a four day old baby. Uh, you know, I'm knocking back a few bottles. He's knocking back a few bottles, and uh, you know, happy days. Okay. Everybody started to go back to to their home, but I was the last one out of all of the uh, the uh, the um, parents that we had in the support group that was pretty much in in Calgary. A new chapter of my life started just not after Jackson. I. Uh, now met what is my, I guess, my husband uh, here in Calgary. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you don't guess that. Hopefully it's it is solid. solid. So uh, <laughs> Jess, Jesse and I started yeah. chatting when I arrived into Calgary on good old uh, Grinder, and uh, we pretty much chatted all the time. And uh, J Jesse worked in the energy sector and with, uh, with COVID, yeah. uh, he was yeah. dealing quite uh, a lot with his business in here in Canada and the US. So, we were a bit of a support to each other um, going through what we we're going through, um, but we actually physically didn't meet until August, until Jackson was three weeks old, but he was fully aware of sending photos of Jackson and everything like that. And we, and we said, okay, mm. you know what, let's go, let's catch up. Let's go for dinner. Let's go for a drink. And he goes, okay, great. I said, oh, the little guy will be, you know, 
bed about 6.30 and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come on down and meet you. So I walk down and Jesse looks at me with a, with a baby in a, in a carrier and I go, okay, let's go. Let's go to the pub. And he goes, is that, is that baby, you got a carer? I said, no, no, I'm the carer. Let's go. Let's go to the pub. <laughs> so we're at the pub and having a few drinks and uh, the, the, uh, the baby Jackson was on a chair by himself and I was opposite Jesse and we, we had a really good conversation, which we had anyway, but uh, to finally meet face to face and, and then pretty much from that face-to-face dinner and beer, we have pretty much been together since. Yeah. Jackson has been part of Jesse and my life since day dot. We, we do everything with Jesse. We, so we do everything with Jackson. So, so Jackson mm. turns uh, two on, on Monday. And, um, oh, yes. I was going to say, like, it's uh, 19th, is it? Uh, oh, wait, you, yeah. you're a day behind us. Yeah, yeah. So, us. yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, turns, uh, he turns 18. Or, sorry, I wish it was 18. <laughs> <laughs> you tick what box. Uh, It'll be 18 we'll before be you know it. We're coming up to terrible twos and I'll take 18 anytime. But uh, he turns two on the 18th of July and um, we went to Vancouver just the weekend pass and that was Jackson's first time sitting in his own seat, but that was his 62nd flight so jackson has traveled a lot with us we we haven't changed our life that much with uh with the child you know the child flies with us he goes with us mm. and, uh, so jesse being pretty much part of the the whole process since birth with jackson um he is now uh adopted while covid was shit um for a lot of people well sure for me it, it was at the start but it ended out you know as a fairy tale uh that you know meeting a guy that i wasn't expecting to meet that loves kids mm. that is that is as uh jackson's dad as much as i am it it's just been it's just been amazing um yeah so yeah it's uh sounds like a a big sort of whirlwind in terms of like so you, you chose the american option because it was the stable stuff but then covid and everything else around it has <laughs> just completely thrown everything to the wind that's right ending up in canada by myself not the original plan becoming a dad by myself not the original plan here in canada meeting someone that i was just chatting to just thought it was going to be you know you know some company he'd actually have some conversation with here and in, in, was was uh, Jesse the guy that you that got you did your grocery shopping for him? No, he wasn't. <laughs> wasn't. Uh, he still asks about this today to get anything to get your groceries. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then you, then you know, you get somebody to you know take you out camping. That's all it is. That's all I am. I am to you as a green card. That's all I am. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. you know it? So, uh, you know, we laugh about it to this day, but it's just by, by chance that I got to meet Jesse and not what I was expecting. Mm. We're going to be trying hopefully for number two next year. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I was going to ask about a sibling journey. So you, last time we spoke is um, Jesse's wanting to yep. do the surrogacy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yep. we've been uh, just decided, you know what, we we love being dads. We love, we want to grow our family. And it's actually was something that we discussed very early in the piece. Uh, So we decided, okay, look, let's reach out to San Diego Fertility Clinic again and say, Hey, is it any chance that you could reach out to uh, my original egg donor from nearly five years ago or that stage nearly four years ago. Um, But uh, yeah, she absolutely loved the photos and said, yep, happy to go on cycle again, just for you guys. And uh, 
um, which was just amazing. Jesse and I were just over the moon. So yeah, we've now got uh, embryos and uh, there is a huge backlog with, uh, with surrogacy. Um, and uh, we still haven't been able to get matched to a surrogate. Now, um, mm. Tiffany, uh, after her journey <laughs> with Jackson and everything, you can understand yeah. she wouldn't want to go through it again. And yeah, it's done, I it respect and understand. Uh, so yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we would have to get matched to another surrogate. So one thing I learned, uh, things will happen when they're meant to happen. Mm. And, uh, you know, my journey took about three years, which is not the, the normal the normal case. But uh, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be living here in Calgary with my husband and uh, with an amazing two-year-old uh, child that I've had the opportunity to be a stay-home dad because I lost my job at Qantas because of uh, mm. COVID. So everything's just worked out timing. And that's one of the things I would probably give advice to, to parents going through this journey like yourselves. It will happen when it's meant to happen. There's going to yeah. be lots of ups. There's going to be lots of downs, but don't get disheartened. You mm. need to, to just have faith. Now, I'm not a religious type of guy, but you just need to have faith in that it will happen when it's meant to happen. And yeah, it's um, it's 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 an amazing journey. It's either you know it's going to bring you closer as parents but you're probably going to hate each other at some part of it as well and that's just normal part of this journey hmm. yeah i'm sure it'll be good for some people to other people to hear as well because there's definitely lots of people out there looking at that single parent journey and that yeah i think that not being sure where your support network is going to be it's nice that your story has that you know sometimes you don't know where the support network will be, but it, it does appear. That is correct. Like, yeah, it, it's not. It's like my friends from Amsterdam, my friends from Berlin, Jesse. Yeah. Um, like, sure, my parents were, were fantastic support, but they're in Australia. Like, uh, yeah. um, I've also become really good friends with uh, George and Dan Sarrigan, Crystal. Um, she's doing number two for them at the moment. And she's just an amazing woman. Like mm. these surrogates that, that go through these journeys for us. Yeah. You, just words can't express yeah. what, wow. what they do for you. And yeah. um, you'll get to see that when you meet your surrogate. And just one thing on the surrogate, make sure the surrogate also has a support network, their family behind them, their yeah. husband, their yeah. partner, their whatever it is it's important that they have their support network different to you guys um because you're going through this journey different to what they are and uh yeah just mm. make sure you that you've got that support network out there and and just talk to each other it's okay to cry it's okay to laugh it's okay to go i don't know what to do here it's okay and mm. uh you know reach out talk to people talk to you know there's a lot of uh there's support networks out there and um even when it comes to a lawyer you, you know yeah, you would never yeah. thought oh, i'm having a I'd support you're, everywhere you're never support everywhere <laughs> yeah. there are there are some amazing people out there from dr Denishan to 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 my lawyers so stephen page in australia um, uh, Cindy at uh, Hope Springs over in Toronto and uh, Alan here at uh, Carthwaite. Just, yeah, amazing support team behind me. And I, I couldn't I couldn't have done it without them. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah, just get a good support team behind you. And you know what? If it doesn't feel right, it's okay. You can find somebody else. Yeah. All right. So um, we'll finish up there, I think. Might take up more of your time so you can spend time with your family. They're, they're camping um, at the moment. Jackson and uh, Jesse are out camping with uh, the uh, yeah. So it's, uh, I'm playing Lego. So, you know, like I'm building Lego. It's, all, it's okay. It's an opportunity <laughs> that I'm going to go eat McDonald's and be up until, you know, whenever, because I don't have to get up at six o'clock. So, guys, I, I um, thank you so much for letting me share this, uh, this with uh, you and, and the wider, wider team. That's all right. You know, I've spoken to you guys a couple of times. You're going to make fantastic dads. So keep the, keep the keep it up, guys. It's it's great to see. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you later. Thank you for the chat. Have yeah, have fun with yeah. the Lego. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>